you know, I lived in New York for a long time and I've, I've had my fair exposure to people who've had infinite resources, you know, and they're often such fucking miserable people, people who are not necessarily rich, don't necessarily understand what I call the cost of ownership. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 221 with David Friedlander. David has been an advocate for widespread adoption of minimal and tiny slash low impact living for over a decade. He's been featured in the New York Times, Minimalism Documentary, and much more. In this wide ranging conversation, we explore micro living, hotel living, and what needs to change in our culture to more fully support a sustainable future living on this planet. I hope you stick around. I want to tell you about something that I think will be super helpful as you plan, design, and build your tiny house. Tiny House Decisions is the guide that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. It comes in three different packages to help you on your unique tiny house journey. And if you're struggling to just figure out the systems for your tiny house, you know, like how you're going to heat it, how you're going to plumb it, you know, what construction technique are you going to use, like sips or stick framing or steel framing. Tiny House Decisions will take you through all these processes systematically and help you come up with a design that works for you. Right now, I'm offering 20% off any package of Tiny House Decisions. For listeners of the show, you can head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD to learn more and use the coupon code TINY at checkout for 20% off any package. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code TINY for 20% off. All right, I am here with David Friedlander. David has dedicated his life to demonstrating ways of living that achieve personal and planetary balance. Beginning in 2009 with a New York Times cover feature about bachelors taking on novel housing in the wake of the mortgage bust, David called into question the goal of living happily ever after in the suburbs. He later sought to provide market alternatives through the micro-apartment startup Life Edited. During his time there, David became a recognized authority in microhousing and minimalism, landing in the Times a couple more times, well, and the documentary Minimalism, a documentary about important things. David currently lives in Boulder, Colorado, consulting and developing a new startup, Runhouse. David Friedlander, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ethan. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, you're very welcome. Good to have you on. Um, so I guess, why don't we just start with um, with your experience with that that micro apartment that that you lived in with with two children and, and a partner that's that's quite a few people for 675 square feet how how did it all come about so that was um that was a a, a few stops in i, I will okay. say okay you know like like i mentioned in in 2009 i was actually living in i was living in a big house except it uh-huh. was a, a dilapidated house in in brooklyn and okay. I've always looked for ways of achieving more financial independence through, you know, cheaper housing. So I was connected with community. I was living in this beautiful townhouse, but rundown townhouse, no heat during the winter. And that's when I was covered by the Times. And I think, you know, I think uh, the messaging that I I said in the Times turned out to be pretty prescient because it was I was talking about really, you know, getting away from this goal 
mm-hmm. you know, buying the house, which so many people had done a couple of years before with the, with the subprime mortgage crisis. And it was a perfectly, it was a very intentional crisis. I want to be very clear. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, a couple of years later I started with, I had got engaged and I needed to uh, get a job. So I, I started working with this dude, Graham Hill. And he was, um, he had, he had, uh, exited, a, a couple of startups and had, you know, several million dollars and to throw into this startup life edited, which was about really about creating micro apartments, creating these sustainable models. And, and a lot of the stuff that we, it wasn't just about micro apartments, but it was really about the, the whole ecosystem. It was about, if you're living in a small place, you can't have, you know, McMansion, you know, habits, uh, you can't, you know, uh, trips to Costco or, 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 you know, kind of a non-issue. Right. So really what, you know, I kept the newsletter and made presentations and did a lot of work at Life Edited and really was, was about promoting the lifestyle. We developed a, a fairly well-known micro apartment. We called it LE1 Life Edited 1. That's the one with like the transforming walls and all that stuff. And, um, and we, we built a couple other prototypes uh but my apartment was was in the prototype and like i said i was engaged and then later we had a couple kids we needed our own home and i wanted you know as is my habit i wanted to make a make it a living demonstration of the principles mm-hmm. now full disclosure uh I'm, I'm i've been separated now for almost six years mm-hmm. and i wouldn't i won't i certainly won't blame it on the apartment itself but i will uh i will put a lot of blame on just sort of the the american dream of being independent and yeah independence in this case means being a homeowner having your partner that you can basically squirrel away with and watch netflix you know all night Mm -hmm. and and have these kids and live this very self-contained universe where everyone has their own pasta maker and you know things like that versus having (laughs) this interdependent village community thing, which is, I think, really how microhousing and really humans best work when they're yeah. in a situation where they're working with other people, they're working with systems, you know, that there's a real community. So anyway, uh, to, to answer your, <laughs> your final question, uh, I mean, obviously the marriage didn't work out. The, the apartment was, I mean, the apartment was was nice. It was, it was a little too fancy for, for my taste. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more of a, a wood panel uh, type of guy. Yeah. But, um, I had no problem with, you know, with the apartment. The main thing was, uh, you know, and, and someone asked me, I, I had an interview one time and someone asked me, what, what's your favorite thing about LA one, the life edited apartment one. And without even thinking about it, I said the location. And this is, the thing that people, you know, like for all the bells and whistles and stuff like that, really the main thing that's going to shape your experience of, of a place is, is where it's located. You know, is it at a, is it in a pretty setting? Is it near your friends? Is it near the restaurants and the food that you like and things like that? And, you know, so much of American housing is, is really devoted towards making your perfect home. Well, you know, like if you honestly, like, if you're living, I mean, for me, my, my abundant experience and, and the data really supports this. Like if you have a healthy, happy community and friend set and you're engaged in the world, your house isn't that important. It's not that important to, to, to escape, um, when, when, you know, the, the, the main aggregates of your, 
of your life are 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 fulfilling. Um, suddenly, you know, all this fetishization of of housing, which has just gone nuts. Like um, two of my least favorite people in the world right now are the Property Brothers. You know, and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just yeah. like and just this like you know it's your house is never big enough it, the kitchen's never new enough and and people spend you know they spend over I, I know the data on this they spend over an hour like an hour and a half a day on fucking housework and a lot of it's yeah and a lot of it's devoted for the weekends which is the time when they need to be resting the most so <laughs> it didn't work out in that in that guys but not because not necessarily i don't think because of uh because of the apartment it was it's really about where america's at right now which is a really grim place yeah. And it, you know, I was struck listening to what you said. The thought first came to me that that micro apartments are kind of like tiny houses for cities, you know, places where you can't pull a 200 square foot tiny house in and park it on a lot like Manhattan or San Francisco. The micro apartment is is maybe fulfilling a similar desire for people, but that the infrastructure, the the structure of our culture doesn't make it easy to live small in that way, simply because you you need community, you need those spaces. You know, I actually I live in an apartment now. Um, and you know, everyone I know lives in a house. And I it's it's so easy to catch yourself wanting that extra space. Like, man, it would be great if I had a garage where I could like you know, change the tires on my bike or like do this or that. But the reality is like, you don't need that space, but it's just like, it's being constantly kind of sold to you overtly and covertly, just that everybody around you is, is kind of doing it differently. Yeah, no, I mean the, and, and just the accepted, uh, you know, uh, the accepted notion that people need something, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I know what I need, and it, and it, you know, water, <laughs> yeah, you know, food, um, yeah. love, uh, relationships, mm-hmm. fitness is 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 way high on me. Health, you know, and and vitality, yeah. not just health. You know, I see all these people spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on their homes, and they have pitiable health. You know, like that mm-hmm. to me, that me, that to me makes no sense, right? But it's it's certainly it's it's just it's in the air, and and in fact. I mean, I was thinking about an obesity study, but essentially obesity has gone off the, the, the charts, not only because of high fructose corn syrup, which is a big culprit, but also because of marketing, right? They're marketing mm. food like, oh, I didn't realize I needed this um, snack pack or, you know, this, um, you know, Baconator, <laughs> you know, and, and like yeah. all, all of a sudden people develop these cravings. I, I see it with, you know, when I turn on the TV, I've got free cable. So <laughs> I see way too many commercials and there's like all these advertisements for, for pharmaceuticals, you know, it's like, Oh, I didn't realize, yeah. I didn't realize I needed that pharmaceutical. Like, and it's the same with housing, you know, Zillow, Redfin, I'm watching these commercials and they're mm-hmm. just stoking the fire, like, you know, to obsess about, you know, getting a better house. And, 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 you know, towards your comment, the thing that I've always really been adamant about, cause I've, you know, I lived in New York for a long time and I've, I've had my fair exposure to people who've had infinite resources, you know, and they're often such fucking miserable people, you know, <laughs> because, because people really, people who don't have necessarily are, are not necessarily rich, um, don't necessarily understand what I, I just called the cost of ownership. Mm-hmm. Like really the, the, the mental operational and resource burden of owning stuff, even like 
being rich and having stocks. Like I've had stocks before and there's anxiety mm-hmm. about following the stocks. Like mm-hmm. it might be worth the anxiety, but you know, certainly with residential space, and this is what I talked about in the Netflix documentary, you know, essentially the data shows, and I've, and I've backed this up with numerous other places. I've written a continuing education piece on space, transforming spaces. Like I know the data here really well. And there's so much of the real estate that is built is not used. And it's just used for these like rare occasions. So Mm. instead of, you know, really nice plug yesterday, uh, speaking of bikes, you know, so we, I live in Boulder here and there's something called community cycles. It's a community run bike co-op where you can, you know, register online and you can use their full, you know, they have, um, uh, work stands mm-hmm. and with full tools and, uh, volunteers and stuff like that. We need more structures like that, such that people don't, are not craving, you know, their, their garage, uh, which is, you know, for their personal workshop and stuff like that. Yeah. Like there needs to be those structure, public structures for those, but that's yeah. not good business. <laughs> or I mean, it's right. not for, for investors to, you know, to, to, to take uh, passive returns. There's a different bottom line there than just a profit. For sure. So, you know, thinking about the, the idea of call it micro apartments or even tiny house villages where, you know, multiple people, multiple families live in small houses, share some kind of communal central building or other kind of infrastructure. Is there anywhere in the country or in the world that, that in your mind or in your research is, is kind of doing it right? Mm -hmm. And, and also what would you define as, you know, doing it right? Yeah. You know, I know uh, I have, I'm not intimate enough with, Mm -hmm. with a lot of the eco villages and stuff like that. You know, certainly eco villages as a, as a proper movement. I haven't spent any time in there personally, but certainly conceptually they're doing the right stuff. Eco villages, this is a global movement and, you know, it's just what it sounds like. It's a, you know, independent usually has some sort of, uh, sometimes people work. Uh, do you know about eco villages? I imagine you do. Yeah. Yeah. In a general way. Yeah. They, they tend to be a little bit more off grid. People sometimes work mm-hmm. outside, but sometimes work in, you know, just inside. I personally like, I, I, I'm not, I, for better or worse, I'm, I'm, I'm a product of culture and I like being around culture. Um, so the, mm-hmm. the off-grid stuff has less appeal to me. There's definitely a lot more progressive stuff going on in Europe right now. Yep. I know there's a lot of economic crap going on in, in Europe and I don't know how it's impacting, but certainly as a historic model, um, or not historic model, but um, well, yeah, historic, historically, you know, Vienna, they they did a massive building up of social housing in the 30s, which still mm-hmm. like 80 percent of the the population live in affordably. And and when you ask what working it, you know what what is a working situation? It's when people can people can like afford to live their lives and and not just you know. And when I say live their lives, I'm saying like they have lives, they have friends, they have recreation, they have balance between their their work lives, their uh, their social lives right now, like everyone, you know, people are generally encouraged to, to, to be uh, imbalanced, you know, working, uh, working to pay for the house that they can enjoy, you know, <laughs> it just makes fucking no sense. Yeah. Um, so, so we're like, you know, working, it means that people have the space that they need, you know, that they have safe, uh, shelter and that there's a diversity like we had, you know, in, 
in any sort of society, there's going to be young people, you know, like, you know, normal adults, you know, adolescents, adults and seniors, like, yeah, everyone needs a place, you know, does everyone do people have a place that means there's a diversity of housing, there's a diversity of jobs, and people don't necessarily have to do super commutes. So that's what's working. Mm -hmm. That's my definition of working. And that can work like in its own independent system, like in an off grid tiny house village. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people in permaculture, I know a lot of that stuff's going up right now. And I'm just starting to get interested in what do you call them? Uh, uh, DAOs. Um, uh, like people are starting to think because the system is so fucked up, are thinking like, how do we create our own system? Uh, in terms of ones that are kind of grafted onto a problematic system, the, the one I want to bring up is in Germany and Austria, they have a, a system called Baugruppen mm -hmm. where people, generally friends and they'll actually develop a building uh, and they'll develop it around their needs and they, they tend to be very social in nature and you know uh generally generally speaking europeans tend not to be quite as supersized as 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 americans and i mean obviously there's there's a lot of like traditional i'm sure there's you know there's a million traditional villages that had, you know, had been working great until in industrialization yeah. and some colonialists said, hey, uh, you know, work in our Machiadora, you know, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I, you know, you mentioned that that you like to be around culture. So, you know, you lived in New York, you live in Boulder now. And I and I know that Boulder is a very expensive place to live. And it, it's one of those places, much like Burlington, Vermont, where I live, where uh, it's getting less and less possible to live here if you don't have like a tech job or, you know, you're not telecommuting from from a city earning like a lot of money. So I'm curious what, um, you know, you, you actually sent me a spreadsheet of the places that you've lived over, I, I'm actually not sure how long, but it seems like a long time. And and you also mentioned that you've lived in hotels more or less since 2019. So what are some ways that you have figured out how to live in the places that you want to live and, and do it affordably in a way that, that works for you? Yeah. I mean, right now I live in a, I basically live in a, a efficiency apartment slash long stay hotel. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's not fancy, but it has a decent location. I still can't find this quote, but apparently the billionaire tycoon, what's his name? Uh, uh, Aristotle Onassis said something about, you know, buy the, the you know, live in the, the best address you can afford. And that's generally been my, uh, my attitude. I like, I don't believe that every place is the same. I like places that are in the mountain that have mountains and water and, you know, and mm -hmm. that have decent food and I'm, I'm kind of snobby that way. So, uh, and you know, yeah. and that's just a function of, of my history and privilege and all that stuff. The one thing I've been willing to do consistently is take interesting, like most people like look at my living situation. They're like, they, they kind of scoff at it. Yeah. It's what I, it's what I can afford right now. Uh, I live alone. I'm also 46 years old. And you know, when I, you know, when I work, I, I make okay money. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm not in a great situation, but, um, uh, but other things that I've done, uh, I, I lived out of my van for a couple summers, uh, a couple summers ago, mm -hmm. and uh, I have a lot of feelings about, again, like differentiating adequate, you know, like adequate shelter with with a home. 
because I, you know, so many of the, I miss so many aspects of living outside and living, living in the van. So, um, yeah, generally, uh, <laughs> generally trying to find as cheap a rent as I can in the best location. That's, that, that's been my, my, my general strategy. But again, it's, it's, it's really, I'm, I'm not spending for me, like I'm spending over a thousand dollars right now, which is a non, uh, mm-hmm. which is, which is, which is a reasonable amount of, of, of money for me right now. And I think with, if you really, the end goal is to kind of, to make an exit strategy from the matrix that we call modern industrial, uh, American society. I, I, I don't think that's, that's, that's too much. Um, that still requires like a, a real investment in, in kind of perpetuating, uh, most, a lot of jobs nowadays are really perpetuating pretty ugly agendas. And to my mind, the best thing you can do to kind of, to reduce that ugliness is to w- withdraw from it and not, and not co-sign it and not say like, Hey, it's just a job, you know, mm-hmm. which has been, which is, which I've, I've made that choice, but much to the detriment of, of my income. Um, <laughs> so it's become, it's become very hard to be a good person. Essentially. Mm. I don't have a, I don't have a strong answer that, that other than I've just been doing my best to really call out the worst of the worst who are making it bad. And, uh, hoping that at this point, I think, the the government the the fed the central banks they are so uh overdrawn they're going to collapse under their own weight they don't really need like an active revolution it's just going to be like mm-hmm. and when people you know when supply chains stop working and people can't one click shop you know i already see it the gas is gas gas prices are going up mm-hmm. shipping prices are going up that's something i've noticed recently it's not going to be it's it's going to be progressively harder and harder to live a life dependent on the grid you know right and i for me it's it's really about you know a speaking the truth of the situation but also becoming you know i i i really hearken onto this idea of adaptation uh which is mm-hmm. uh, evolution is really about adapting it's not about power you know it's not about brute force it's about being nimble and um and and that's what you know micro housing always provides when you have either a small apartment or a, a tiny house or living out of your van or something like that there's just there's it's very it's much easier to adapt with a small system than it is to you know uh you know go from uh you know go from a mcmansion type to a to a tiny house person um it's 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 a hard transition <laughs> yeah i'd like to tell you a little bit more about tiny house decisions my signature guide and the resource that i wish i had when i was building my tiny house It starts with the big decisions, which is, you know, should you build a tiny house yourself or with help? Um, Is a is a pre-built shell a good idea? Um, Is a house on wheels better than on the ground? And what works better for you? Um, Deciding on the overall size, deciding on whether you should use custom plans or pre-made plans, different types of trailers, and more. Uh, Then in the in part two, we get into the system, so heat water, showers, hot water, toilets, electrical, refrigeration, ventilation. And we're only two-thirds of the way through the book at this point. From systems, we go into construction decisions, talking about nails versus screws, sips versus stick framed versus advanced framing versus metal framing. Uh, We talk about how to construct a subfloor, sheathing, roofing materials, insulation, windows, flooring, kitchen. I know I'm just reading off 
the table of contents, but I just want to give you a sense of how comprehensive Tiny House Decisions is. Uh, It's a total of 170 pages. It contains tons of full-color drawings, diagrams, and resources, and it really is the guide that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. Right now, I'm offering 20% off any package of Tiny House Decisions using the coupon code TINY when you head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD. That's THD for Tiny House Decisions. Again, that's coupon code TINY when you check out at thetinyhouse.net slash THD. And when you talk about adapting, do you mean on an individual level, like individual people need to adapt or that that like systems need to adapt? Absolutely. I, I don't see like, so this is, this is where my focus is right now. I don't see a difference, right? Mm-hmm. The, the system is the, the aggregate of the, of the individual. And the system is a reflection. And right now we're just flying blind. And most everyone is believing what they read online and, and, and somehow, you know, (laughs) we're in a bunch of wars and, you know, and, um, (laughs) there's just so much fucking bullshit out there right now. Um, yeah. So, so people need to start getting more curious, first of all, on an on individual level. I mean, the, the, the dumbification of, I mean, like literally we're living in idiocracy right now, it, you know, slightly upgraded uh, intellectually. <laughs> so people need to start getting curious again, uh, you know, start exercising critical thinking uh, in terms of, you know, what is governing the, the headlines. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the big ones for me is, you know, the housing crisis, the housing crisis, the housing crisis. I'm, I'm quite intimate with the people who are promulgating this idea of the housing crisis. There's not, there's not really a housing crisis, right? <laughs> like there, there, there's, there's these artificial constraints, you know, artificial forces, like 30% of housing now is bought by institutional buyers. You know, um, the, you know, housing size keeps on going up while the number of people living in a house keeps on shrinking. Mm -hmm. Fertility rates are declining. We have plenty of housing. It's just not, it's not equitable, equitably distributed. That's a tough word. Right. There's an affordability crisis. There are enough houses. Right. And, 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 and meanwhile, you have like alternative news. When you go to the investor news sites, they're like, profits have never been better on single family rentals. Right. Yep. So which is it going to be? And that, that to me, that does not work on an individual level. And I've been a victim of it on an individual level because I'm, you know, I'm 46 now, right? Those 38 places. The reason I've, because <laughs> I'm always like shucking and jiving to find a cheaper place to live because I don't want to, I don't yeah. want, like I, I am, I am strange in that <laughs> I insist on being happy in my life and doing the things that, that, that are important to me, you know? Mm-hmm. I love to work, but I've always managed to to find ways of folding my work into 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 my interests. Uh, you know, I, I told you I was you know into cycling. I thought I was cycling was going to be my thing, and then I was into food because I love food. And yeah. now I'm into housing because mm-hmm. it's it's something that is useful. It's a need. It's a real need. It's not a want. Yeah. So, you know, uh, my 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 latest startup is I'm I've all you know throughout all this throughout my life really, I've been a, a pretty serious athlete. I kind of shrug because I'm in Boulder <laughs> and Boulder is like, I, I said, Boulder is to athletes, like what Hollywood is to, you know, to, to movie stars or New York is to bankers. It's, uh, it's really, it's, it's, it's amazing how many amazing, you know, world-class athletes we have here. So 
starting to explain my, 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 my latest. Pro- oh yeah. So, um, so my latest project is called run house and it's really focused on creating a space for runners. And the great thing about running is, and, and this is, you know, it's applicable to any kind of applied type of thing is when you're running, you really start understanding efficiency mm-hmm. and you start understanding efficiency on a biomechanical level. Right. Uh, and there's a wonderful essay called why the runner runs he must uh and it's it's basically you know talking about the and this is something really no one talks about is the value of of stripping away i mean i mean i obviously people talk about it in the minimalism circles but but um you know like the joys of not having to deal with stuff yeah and the and the, and the space to 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 do whatever you want and people uh people it, it just seems like there's a an unregulated inflow of more like people just assume that more is going more apps more data more posts more uh, and it's like it's just not working so and then also like on a very very practical level we have 72% of the US population right now is overweight 42% of them are obese are considered obese, right? 42% of the U.S. population, 315 or so million people. Average mm-hmm. TV watching is three hours a day. Average time on smartphones, non-work stuff is three hours a day. So people are, you know, I think I saw something the other day, 23 or a couple of years ago, it was like 23% of all groceries are bought at, um, at Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then, well, and behold, we have a health crisis, right? We have a pandemic that, that, mm-hmm. that targets that targets people that targets overweight people with uh, immunocompromise. Whoa, shocking, right? So mm-hmm. I think the most important thing we can do really is get people, you know, in touch with you know, really the <laughs> I mean the joys of being healthy. I, I it's just really tough to it's really tough to see the world, I think. So many people are really cracked out from whether it's medication or watching the news or stress from taking care of their 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 homes you know like that was in the in the minimalism movie i refer to this book quite a bit it's called the life at home in the 21st century mm-hmm. and 32 families open up their homes and it's by a group of ucl ucla re- researchers and they basically showed that you know everyone's homes were stuffed with all this crap and and it was it was it was messing with um stress hormones you know like it was it, this is creating cortisol all these all the addition is just more and more stuff to think about. And we need to really have a, a serious conversation about and not, uh, and not like a, not a, sorry, not a Marie Kondo kind of like, like cutesy twee conversation. Like this is some hardcore shit. Mm-hmm. Like um, we're, we're, we're facing a ecological collapse and people are going to like, if people expect the current system to, to, to exist in perpetuity, they're going to be really fucking disappointed in, in a few years. Um, and when and when the sh- proverbial shit hits the fan, you're going to want to be prepared with like, where am I going to live? Who who are going to be my friends? Where's my food coming from? Where's my water coming from? Am I going to live in a region that's mm-hmm. thermally stable? Because you know South Florida is going to be underwater, and there's going to be a whole bunch of places that are literally going to be uninhabitable. You know, like, do you have answers for those? You know, I've got some preliminary answers to that uh, <laughs> um, for myself and for my own well-being. You know, and I'm and I'm very tapped into people who are working and in, working those kind of in those domains. 
you know, how are we going to move into the 21st century uh, in a way that that that's dealing with reality, um, material reality, resource reality, social realities, economic realities. So, don't you think that that Marie Kondo and and that kind of stuff, though it is kind of twee, as you I'll use the word that you used. I do know, you know, I I know people who read that book or saw the show and that inspired them to actually get rid of some of their crap. And I think that that's ultimately a good thing. However, you get introduced to that idea of like, oh, I could get rid of a lot of this stuff that I don't need and I will be happier. However, however you get introduced to that, I think it's, I think that's an okay thing. Yeah, I just... I hazard to say it's just, it's not, it's not urgent enough, you know, like people act like people, like people act like this is some sort of, I I, I had an essay that I took down, but it was, um, the New York times has written like a million different perspectives. I, I ghost wrote a piece. It was one of the best Mm -hmm. emailed pieces in 2013 about, about minimalism and people. And like, this is not, this is not about, like a fad it, it's about like we really need to we need to align, align our consumption with with the available uh with 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 resources like we did for you know for for thousands of years but have have basically forgotten about yeah. it and extract so i don't want to i don't i certainly don't want to dismiss it and and same goes with you know the the minimalists and i'm you know i'm in <laughs> the, the minimalist movie right Mm-hmm. I want to be very clear. I've done a lot of other stuff that I'm super proud of, uh, more proud of, but, uh, but by virtue of it getting aired on Netflix, uh, kind of increased my, my exposure quite a bit. And I, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm proud of the stuff that I talked about, Sure. but really at this point, I think we need to get into like a real systems change. Uh, and, uh, the, the, the time's like running now and it's, it's almost, like I said, it's, it's almost impossible to, to live a low impact life. I know so many people, I'm a clever guy and I can charge money for consulting fees and and deliver value and, you know, and I have no problem with it. And, uh, but a lot of people don't have my resources. You know, I went to Columbia university, right? Like that's impressive to some people. I know a shit ton of people who didn't go to Columbia and they're like in my similar mm-hmm. financial situation. They have no fucking place to go. They have no, ha- like they have no retirement plan. They have very little place in, in, in the system. And I really think, I think the, the discussion about, uh, minimalism, tiny, and I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's always been flavored, especially with the tiny house stuff. It's always been flavored with homelessness and whatnot, but I think it needs to be a little bit more, more frank. And talking about the economics of it all. Yeah. Well, well, before we started rolling, you kind of, you used this phrase, the, the kind of the regulatory hurdles to living a low yeah. impact life. And I was curious, you know, can you expand on that? Like, what are the regulatory hurdles? Because we, we've definitely, you know, talked about how culturally living a low impact life is difficult and the way that our cities and systems are set up is difficult. but from a regulatory perspective, what do you see as the whole yeah. hurdle? Um, well, the baseline expense of living a life is just, it's too damn expensive. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it has to do with the way that we've developed our land, which is primarily single family housing, right? Mm-hmm. So 80% of, of US housing, single family housing, and essentially single family housing has been developed around the car. 
So immediately, mm-hmm. the average cost of a car per month is nine hundred dollars. You're you're saddled with this car tax. Most people, most Americans, are saddled with this car tax. Then they're paying their, um, you know, most people pay in excess of thirty percent of their of their housing expenses or their income to housing expenses. Now we have, you know, basically we have the Fed uh, has printed eighty percent of all. U.S. currency in the last two years, it has glutted the market with currency, which is driving inflation. So, just going to the grocery store to buy mm-hmm. your dried beans has become forty percent more expensive, right? So, and then forget about health insurance. And if you go to health insurance, you you know, if you do buy health insurance, you're paying, you're basically paying for someone else's sickness a lot of the time, right? So. I mean, these are some of the baseline things like really you are like to the government and to society, you are, you are least likely to be harassed if you just go to, go to work (laughs) and pay your rent or your mortgage, you know, and send your kids to school and do all these, you know, societally normal normative things, but you will not break free you know, you will not have a lot of leisure time. You will not have time to spend with your friends. Um, you're, yeah, and you're going to probably start turning to, uh, you know, I mean, just as people are, uh, it's so culturally normative to uh, to talk about housing. It's super culturally normative to to numb out. You know, like to go get drunk or to, uh, you know, to, you know, do gaming. <laughs> you know, um, or or watch TV. Again, mm-hmm. the, the, it's it, it, the the message the message is in the medium with single family housing in particular, but it's it's even true of of apartments uh, because because of single zoning that will have like an apartment just hanging out away from shops, away from uh, so people so essentially the the nature of the format is to be isolating. It is to get people in their homes. Yeah basically in front of their TV. Sub- suburbia could not exist without TV. I mean, isn't, I mean, I, I'm, it's not changing everywhere, but I know that like Minneapolis recently killed single family zoning for, for any new residential builds. I think that cities are slowly coming around at least to the idea that single family zoning is bad and creates it basically helps to perpetuate a racist. Yeah. System I, I mean, the, so the, the Yimby, you know, yes, in my backyard, yeah. Yimby Nimby. And yeah. I've been long associated with that. Uh-huh. I'm in, I, you know, in general, I am, you know, like I said at the outset, I'm, I'm in favor of a much more European flavor of, uh, I mean, I like mm-hmm. villages, mm-hmm. right? Why wouldn't you want to just, I mean, I lived in Brooklyn and New York for 20 years and, and I like the fact that I could walk out my door and go to a cafe and I was going to run into a few friends. It made me a happier, smarter, yep. more connected person. I see people all around. They look scared and disconnected and lonely because they don't have that stuff in their lives. They mm-hmm. don't. And what do they do? They go to Europe. <laughs> they go to Europe to visit it, right? Like, oh, this is so charming. And then they go back home and, yeah. then, you know, uh, sink back into their lazy boy with their, you know, with their iPad and their, you know, uh, 60,000 channels. So, um, so the, the the problem with the what's happened with, with the Yimby conversation is the replacement architecture 
it, it needs <laughs> there needs to be a much more sophisticated conversation because a lot of times the people who are supporting Yimby stuff they are literally supporting these really awful uh, usually almost invariably what's going up in cities whether it's New York, San Francisco, Seattle, DC, Boston and I'm familiar with all of those markets you can take me to task on this <laughs> uh, or in LA in every one of those cases when you upzone stuff it, it just like some predatory developer comes in and builds what they call five over two, which is uh, uh, these generic buildings that you see everywhere. They have a, t- a two-level concrete platform with a stick-built uh, five stories above that, and they, you know, it's basic. It's designed for you know two thousand dollar rents for for tech workers. And listen, for all my tech worker friends who've gotten to, <laughs> who are listening to this, like I'm not I'm not shitting on you, but there needs to be more options than that, and. Um, and there needs to be much more sophistication because even, I mean, I don't know like what situation you're in, but like in Boulder, unlike uh, Brooklyn, in Brooklyn, you would have uh, you would have commercial, you have mixed zoning, you have mixed use zoning. So you have a cafe, you have a shop here, even, even in Boulder, it's very unlikely that you're going to have an apartment building with shops at the bottom that are, so people, even if they're mm-hmm. living in apartments, generally are are driving and driving really is 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 i mean it's such a scourge i mean like would we would we care about what's going on in ukraine if it wasn't about power like all these things are you know related to our insatiable appetite for 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 power so uh, i mean and especially for petrol power so any you know things that we that's the that's the real that's the real frontier and i i really i was last year hoping to god that i was i was I was pushing projects with with a kind of super group of real estate team to look for pilot projects um and 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 and, and generally speaking what i'm talking about here is like 15 minute cities uh you know where you can where you can walk you know or or you know possibly bike but i really like walking you know i'm a cyclist but it's so nice to like walk yeah. places and it's really not that hard to do you know um if if uh it's really just a matter of of coming up with a, a, a regulatory framework that just makes sense. <laughs> right. There being infrastructure to support that. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and listen, to be clear, like, I mean, prior to the car, really almost all of America was that. So this is, I'm not talking about some pie in the sky type of thing. This is this, we, we have pictures of it, you know, and, and, and not only that, like, you know, like going to, going to Brooklyn <laughs> yeah. or going to wherever Cleveland or San Francisco, where where do people want to live most? They want to live in the old architecture that developed, you know, before the car, you know, it's, and it, and, and it has very, you know, has pretty normal, you know, like it's, it's not hard to understand. It's, you know, three to four story buildings. You have plenty of intersectional spaces, you know, third spaces where people can hang out. You go to, you know, if you go to any European town, they're going to, you know, either in Italy, you have a piazza and, Germany, you have a plots, or you know, in France, you have gardens, and you know, and plots. Uh, 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 um, and you know, these were designed; uh, these urban typologies were des- designed over thousands of years. And essentially, America, and uh, I mean, uh, the, the the big three are the big our former colonies: America, Canada, and Australia, have es- essentially ditched those as as models. They're like, nope, we're gonna. We're going to have give everyone a, yeah. their own <laughs> shitty McMansion kingdom 
you know, and they can have their, their SUV and, uh, you know, forget about being near their friends, forget about, you know, grabbing a, you know, grabbing a pint, you know, after work, we're going to, everyone's too tired. We got to, got to, you know, got to fix the, the, whatever the shingles or the, you know, (laughs) the gutters, uh, like, and, and, and before you know it, you're 75 and, you know, like, oh shit, I just, I just spent my whole life taking care of this, this asset for someone. (laughs) So I would say that, that most of my listeners are at least interested in tiny house living and, and a good number of them are on the path to either building or buying a tiny house. Many are struggling with where am I going to live in this thing? How, you know, how am I going to do it legally? Do you have any advice for people who are kind of, you know, already on this path, whether, whether or not they agree with you about everything that you're saying, who knows, but more or less have some, some commonalities. What, just advice for people what to look for what what to do what to advocate for in their individual lives uh sure uh, <laughs> uh i'm just trying to think of like my 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 basic habits um mm-hmm. i mean it it is it it i mean first of all it it is a process and it's a process of awareness and it's a process of of learning what mm-hmm. you know what on a fundamental level we need and what we don't need yeah and, you know, on a, on a, on a deep level, structurally, most of us only need about 180 square feet, right? <laughs> like, like if you're a, a, a single person, uh, I, I mean, I think there's like, I almost think that there's, there's sort of like a platonic number that people like is, is, is a good interior space. Maybe a little bit of variability from uh, uh, Northern climates to Southern climates, a little bigger in the, the North. Uh, but it's not that much is, is, is my point. And then, you know, learning and then, I mean, for, I think I said it before, but the things that are really important to me are, um, the health is, is, is top of list. Uh, I mean, like really basic stuff Mm -hmm. like sleeping and eating, making sure that I'm on top of those things. And then, uh, uh, that I'm having healthy, that I, that I live in a community and that I'm connected with people. Uh, that's, you know, that's super important to me. I, you know, I make a point to, to make sure that I am connected with people, uh, when I'm feeling disconnected and, uh, and I'm even like, even trying to, 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 to deal with it on a, on a, on a systems level, which gives me some, some, uh, peace of mind. And I, and I think, I mean, the, uh, tacit advice, tacit advice here is when you start really accentuating the important stuff the, th- the things that are really valuable to you that the other stuff will will start stripping away and and also really understanding that the, i i think of a quote from the minimalist uh, dave bruno uh i i don't know i'm paraphrasing but it's like you know stuff is not passive it, it demands your attention yeah and start really understanding that the things that are not that are really not part of the things that we love are generally the th- things that are actually are detracting from our lives. They're, they're literally, they're taking our, our time away and to start cultivating awareness of that stuff and, and start, and start, you know, shedding away. Like what, you know, what is, what am I here for? And that's, again, that's, I think that's, that's a, that's a deeper conversation. Like, I think there's, we need like a real spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, like just people are so 
so consumed with consuming and and uh, tying their identities up with brands and um, and with uh, kind of formulaic uh, processes of life, going from school to job to you know house to retirement. It's like it's 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 a waste. It's a waste of life. So yeah, again, like playing up the important stuff and, and stripping away the, the the unimportant, and then also realizing this is something that I I I I haven't drank in. 23 years right but uh i was very involved with Mm -hmm. 12-step recovery and whatnot and um and one of the one of the concepts that i like thinking about and i I think about this for when i'm dealing with any hard situation is is not doing the normal thing is is a thing (laughs) so not making the purchase not hopping in the car not um you know not buying into the to the to the nonsense of of your house obsessed friends or your stuff upset like not reacting is is a it, it's it's an active process and eventually you start you know like for years like i it was it was like a big act for me to refuse drinks you know like the other day i was at a place and i refused the french fries yeah. french fries because <laughs> because they're not good for me you know and i got a side salad you know and like mm-hmm. it might not seem like a big deal to other people but for me it was like oh now it's just easier for me to be myself and like say the thing that i want and like and and, and i say it often like you know because most of my friends do drive and they you know and they they are much more part of this you know part of the system uh, if you will you know that i keep on that me doing my thing, you know, whether it's whatever, you know, bringing to go bag to, you know, to, to, to the group dinner or, you know, riding my bike everywhere, that those things are by making the, by not taking the conventional path, I'm, I'm reinforcing, you know, my own system. And, and I think, I hope, um, you know, inspiring people to, to do the same. Well, one thing that I like to ask all my guests is what are two or three books or resources that have help to influence your, your thinking that you'd like to share with listeners? Boy. All right. Well, uh, I've, <laughs> you mentioned you, you mentioned uh, that, that, yeah, why the runner essay. runs uh, essay. You mentioned life at home yeah. in the 21st century. Um, a book. So I read the Tao Te Ching every morning. Um, this is the Shambhala uh, uh, version, uh-huh. which I'm really, okay. uh, really into. Um, it just happens to be something that I'm really into. And, um, uh, I think for me, uh, as opposed to I've studied Christianity and Buddhism and Hinduism and whatnot, and and the Taoist philosophy. First of all, it's really about re- reduction, and uh, so there's a lot of and, and and even it's even written in a very minimalist way. Yeah, yeah. But it's really about kind of the what I describe as the how of life versus the what, because I think so many there's so it's so confusing to know what's what nowadays. Um, and you know, people are like, do we have a pandemic? Do we not have a pandemic? Do we, you know, is the re- economy going to recover? Is it not going to recover in climate change? You know? Mm-hmm. So this to me keeps me balanced and like, okay, how am I going through, but through my day, am I going through in a peaceful way? Am I going through in a way that's grasping? Am I going in a way that's, you know, encouraging conflict? So for me, it's, it's brought a lot of centering. Um, <laughs> Uh, my my next two are like extremely extremely different um one is uh, uh man's search for meaning by victor frankel uh which is a a classic 
and it's uh by uh, Victor Frankel was passed around to four different uh, concentration camps. He was a a therapist, like a psychotherapist, and a Jew, obviously. And he basically went through his experience and mm-hmm. essentially deduced what was the thing that kept him going in spite of all the hardship. So I thought, and you know, he he has one of my favorite lines, which was, um, "Happiness cannot be pursued; it must ensue." And, you know, like, again, you know, in the, in the context of minimalism or, you know, materialism, like, you know, happiness isn't a destination. It's not a purchase. It's not a tiny house. It's not a, you know, it's not even a perfect body or anything like that. It's, 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 it is the outflow of a state of being. So, and then <laughs> the, other, the other book is coming up lately is, is, is crime and punishment by, by Fyodor Dostoevsky. And, uh, and and i've you know in in some i've been into being much more vocal about my anger <laughs> mm-hmm. i you know for for a long time i was really kind of sugarcoating you know why people should scale back on their uh, consumer habits and what now and i realize like people are really they're really um i don't know, i don't know if evil is the right word but there's there's a lot of really nasty people out there right now and um and it's okay it's okay to feel angry <laughs> you know and like and and mm. and for me to not act angry is extremely extremely inauthentic and i also think it's an inappropriate response like this is the, this is the time of of outrage uh like what's going on particularly economically i think the the racial and diversity stuff it's a smokescreen for the economic stuff you know Mm -hmm. disenfranchised populations have always been economically disenfranchised and they create this rift between the whites and the blacks and the hispanics and the asians so no one's paying attention to you know this tiny fraction of a population that's fucking everyone over so uh, so, so yeah, crime and punishment. Um, I haven't read it in a while, but I've been thinking about <laughs> the, the protagonist quite a bit and, yeah. uh, and, and just like, okay, you know, like there's a reason this book yeah. is popular and, uh, and to understand these more, um, more base parts of ourselves. But the one I read every day is the doubted thing. So I keep my shit together. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, those are some great recommendations. Uh, David Friedlander, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. This was, this was great. Ethan, super fun. Thank you so much to David Friedlander for being a guest on the show today. You can find the show notes, including a complete transcript of the episode, links to David's recommended reading, articles that he's published, and places that he's been featured, and more at thetinyhouse.net slash 221. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 221. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.